Hi, everybody. This is Charlie with Thriving School Community. I am excited today, especially because we're talking with Dr. Darren Peppard, and he's a former superintendent, but Darren, you do a ton of work right now. Like there's a lot of exposure you're having, sharing a really important message called the road to awesomeness that we're going to dive into, but I'd love to welcome yeah. you to the show and please just give people a quick background on what you've been doing. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Charlie. And thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, so Dr. Darren Peppard, um, I spent 26 years in public education. Um, I started actually as a middle school science teacher. And, you know, when I, I, I didn't go to college to be a, a to be a teacher either. I mean, it was, that was the last thing on my mind. And certainly if you just said, hey, you're going to be a teacher, being a middle school teacher has been the last thing I would have figured that I would do. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I, I did. I spent five years teaching at the middle school level. I loved it. Taught high school. I was a head basketball coach, tennis coach. Um, decided to head back to my home state, which is Wyoming. Go Pokes. Nobody else will say it, so I have to. Um, <laughs> and uh, um, I, I landed as an assistant principal in the southwest part of the state. Uh, was at that building for 11 years. I ultimately became the principal of that building. And then, yeah, you mentioned, you know, four years as a superintendent in Colorado. So, man, I've seen a lot of it. Um and experienced a lot of it. And now, yeah, as a, as a leadership coach and consultant, as a speaker, as a publisher, uh, my work is to just help leaders get some clarity, to be a little more intentional with their work and to honestly just walk in their purpose and find joy in their job. And it is not the easiest thing for people right now, but uh, that's what makes me a traveler of the road to awesome. And, you know, that's I want to invite as many people to join me on the road to awesome as possible. So describe that. Give us a visual. What do you mean by the road to awesome and what can people expect when they get there? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's not about getting there. It's about the journey. Um, you know, awesome, obviously, is the destination. But for, for me, my destination is different than than is Charlie Peck's, right? Um, it's just, you know, we every morning, Charlie, when we get up, we have a choice. When our feet hit the floor, we have a choice. We can bring positive energy. We can choose to go make a positive difference in the life of others, or we can be that person who's, let's just say a little bit more on the negative side and, you know, wants to suck the energy out of the room. So you can bring the energy or you can take the energy away. And early in my career as an administrator, I was all about taking the energy away. I was in charge of discipline and attendance. And, you know, that's a real exciting and thankless job. And, you know, I was just all about like catching people doing things wrong. And it wasn't just me. It was our whole school. It was our culture. And uh, man, there was this moment where somebody just finally said, you know, why is it always got to be about what people do wrong? Why can't it be about what they do right? And to me, that's like, bam, two roads. And, you know, I, I say this all the time uh, when I when I speak, you know, I, I quote Robert Frost, two roads diverged in a wood. That's where the road to awesome started was when those two questions were asked of me. And it, it was kind of like that moment, like jumping up on the balcony and like being an observer in the in the minute, like, oh my God, dude, what is wrong with you? Why are you focusing so much on all the bad things? And let's take this other road. And on that road, you know, as we make our choices, we're trying to find the positive. We're trying to find the good in people. We're trying to find a way to lift each other up instead of, you know, that that other road. So I, I like it as a visual because, you know, as I'm traveling on this road, I know there's going to be choices and decisions all the time. And I'm not perfect. I'm not going to make the right decision every time. I'm not going to always be this, you know, hey, I'm I'm Mr. Positive, you know, that toxic positivity stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. 
I'm talking about making a choice and making a conscious decision to just enjoy your life, you know, and enjoy your work and enjoy the people that you get to be around instead of that other road to me is all about like punishment to gain compliance. And let's face it, Charlie, nobody likes that. Nobody likes that. So that's to me, that's the road to awesome. It's, it's staying, you know, on that path that leads to a much, much better destination than the other path. Yeah. Why do you think in your experience and people you've talked to, why do you think people get stuck there? Oh man, that's such a good question. Um, and I think it's probably different for every individual, but there, there's this thing I think in, in school leadership, and, and this is probably true in leadership in general, but I'll, I'll focus it on, on school leadership since that's my expertise where we think number one, we have to have all the answers when we're in uh, a leadership position. Yeah. Um, two, we think we have to solve everybody's problems. And three, people should do what we tell them to because <laughs> of a title that we carry. Right. And I mean, I know I fell into all three of those traps. And I've certainly observed a lot of other people doing that. Um, at the core of those really is imposter syndrome. It's it's people who want to portray something, you know, that that maybe they're not, or that they just think this is what the role is supposed to be. And therefore, this is how I'm supposed to act or behave. You know, I, I tell new leaders as I coach them all the time, you know, you've got to be yourself. You got to remember what matters to you. What do you really care about? Because, you know, if you think you care about one thing and your actions and behaviors and the way you use your time say some say something different, the people around you have no clue who you are. They have no idea what you're about and they're never going to follow you. So I think I think that's a big part of it. I think that's there has just been this history of this is how the boss acts. And I don't know, I, I, over time, I see people who break away from that and do it differently. But man, I still see so much of it and hear so many stories of people who get stuck in that, you know, we have to meet this metric or we have to have this happen with our budget or whatever. And we take the human piece out of leadership. You know, we get just so stuck in the work. So I don't know. I, I could ramble on this forever. And I feel like I'm just kind of like riffing on this one. Well, but no, that's to me, well, that's what it's all about. We like remove the human element. Yeah. And it is really important to think about that because education leaders are, are listening right now. And there's a, probably a lot of administrators or people are aspiring to be administrators or even higher up like district leaders, maybe even a superintendent. So my next question, or maybe just your thoughts here about when you are in the role of a superintendent, how, how in the world do you let people kind of do what they think they need to do? Even if you're like, no, that's not what I see it as. That's really hard in leadership. I would imagine. Man, it is. It is. <laughs> you you know, that? I, I think, I think Charlie, what it comes down to is as a leader, um, when we get, when we get stuck in like this micromanaging, oh no, you have to do it this way, or you have to do it that way. We lose sight of what our job actually is. And ours isn't to control how people do their jobs. Our job as leaders, especially district level leaders, a superintendent, your job, number one is to create a compelling vision, create a compelling story that everybody says, wow, I want to be a part of that reality. And then you got to get out of their way. Let them do what they need to do to help get to that reality. But if all we do is focus on 
and telling them how they have to manage every situation or, you know, who gets to be a part of their leadership team or, or things like that. We're not doing the work of selling that compelling vision, you know, to me that's, and it's hard work. Don't get me wrong. You know, creating and selling that compelling vision, you got to walk it every day. You got to talk it every day. I mean, it's, you don't just say it one time, you know, Hey, here's what I think we should become and then walk away from it. Um, you know, so many districts and, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but so many districts invest in strategic planning, which is wonderful. But if you don't have the compelling vision, all that planning, it just becomes a document on a shelf, you know, or now I guess a document in a computer, right? You know, it's some PDF that people can download on your website and it looks pretty, but it doesn't mean anything because nobody is really living and creating and selling that that compelling vision. And more importantly, getting other people to totally buy into that and making it their compelling vision. When when everybody has that shared compelling vision, holy cow, as a superintendent, you're the that's like it's nirvana. I mean, get out of their way, let them do their work. You know, maybe they're going to do it differently. So what? You know, it doesn't mean they're wrong, but I do think a lot of leaders get stuck in that micromanagement phase where, boy, if you're not doing it my way, you're doing it wrong. And that's, that's just really narrow-minded. It's so hard. It's so hard to work under that, Darren. It, I've been there. I've had lots of leadership styles I've lived under and, oh my gosh, the culture of the school completely shifts. It is very difficult. And even when your staff is really cohesive, people just they just want to go into a shell and they show up differently. And so, okay. So what do you do when you notice that one of your administrators is actually micromanaging their staff? What kind of conversation do you have around that? Oh man. Well, first I want to touch on something you just said, because I also worked in that scenario. I I worked just as a building principal alone. I worked under three superintendents and, you know, one was really good at just let us lead our own compelling vision because it met the compelling vision of the district. And one who that punishment to gain compliance, that that was that person's strategy. That's how they've led that that particular district. And unfortunately, it's led that district to a pretty dark place um, where people are doing exactly what you said. That's that's why I wanted to come back to it. Um, when punishment to gain compliance is the way that we lead our schools, people will perform at a level just north of that, which would get them punished. They take no risk. They they are not innovative. True. They don't try to do something new. And when your people do that, Charlie, your kids do too. Because if teachers don't take risks in classrooms, kids never take risks in classrooms, right? Because it's all about, you know, stay in the box, you know, do everything the right way. And when, when we're when we're micromanaging, that's what we start to see in a classroom. So to your question, if one of my administrators is micromanaging, we need to go for a walk. We need to go spend some time back where the action is. You know, I mean, even as a superintendent and and superintendents that are listening, I don't care if you have 200,000 kids in your district, you have to find a way to be the instructional leader. You know, yes, I know you delegate that and you've got layers and layers of people who do that. You've got to find a way to do it. Now, as a small district superintendent, it was really easy for me, but I would be going with that administrator and let's go walk in the classrooms. Let's talk about what we really see. And when I go in 
normally as a, as a building leader, when I go in, I'm going to be watching, you know, student interactions, interactions with the teacher. But as a superintendent, I'm going to be going in. I want to see the reaction the teacher has to that administrator in the room, because I want to know what is that relationship like? Is there a relationship of trust or is it, oh, that person's here now. Now I have to make sure we're doing this because otherwise I'll have some consequence for not whatever, you know, whatever it is they're trying to micromanage. Maybe it's a, you know, a different initiative that's happening or, you know, a certain way that they want classroom management done or a certain way that they want, you know, I don't know, let's say it's an elementary school and it's reading groups or, or whatever, you know, if, if leaders get a reaction from their teachers that is more hesitation or I don't really want to say fear, but I guess fear could be a potential uh, response. That tells me we've we've got some things we've got to work on. And so that would start that conversation with that administrator is, look, a big part of, of the challenge here is a lack of trust between you and your teachers. And when you're telling them how they have to do every single thing, you're telling them that you don't trust them. And man, Charlie, without trust, we've got nothing. We've got nothing if we don't have trust. Yeah. Oh my gosh. There's just so much there. And it's the same darn themes, Darren, that keeps coming up, right? We've got to trust each other. We've got to build that culture of trust and connection and all of that. Um, why isn't that happening in our schools today? What are what are the barriers? And I'm not saying it doesn't, doesn't happen at all because there are a lot of people doing a lot of great things. But we're hearing a lot of complaints. It's a common theme. So you tell me, why isn't that happening? What are those barriers? Boy, I think there's a bunch of layers to that. Um, I think, ooh, I'm going to see if I can try and capture all of them. Um, I'll, I'll start at maybe the, the, the largest level. All right. Probably right now, less than we probably ever experienced in public education. But there's a lack of trust from parents, from legislative bodies from school boards. And I think that's a huge issue right now is, you know, each of those groups seems to believe that they should be making the decisions for what's happening in the classroom. And they're wanting to do it unilaterally. Um, hey, I'm all for all of that different input. All of our stakeholders need to have input into what we're doing in our classrooms, but that's not what they want. They want unilateral control. We will do this. And we're making this decision for everybody. Now, the interesting piece is, Charlie, that's not just education. That's that's the United States of America right now. It's it's all about unilateral decision making that, you know, boy, this group is in power. And therefore, we're going to say this is exactly how everybody in the entire country believes. And this is what must be important. So I think that lack of trust at that level is making it really difficult for that to happen. The school board piece, school boards have almost become the new political battleground. You know, there are districts around the country where different political groups, and honestly, I'm not a political person. I don't really care what people's political beliefs are. I'm just, I'm an observer and I'm, I'm a pretty good veteran educator. And, and so, so I see this as some of these school boards trying to take over to, again, take this unilateral control over what happens in our classrooms. And it's it's stuff that happens so far away and removed from students and teachers, you know, where, where teachers can teach and students can learn. I mean, that's what it should really be about. So I think that's a really big factor. 
I think another factor, honestly, because we've seen a big turnover in leadership across the country um, at the school and district level, you know, whether that's, you know, people that are in my my age bracket that have either retired or I'm a little young for that, but, um, you know, they've either retired or they've said, you know, hey, I'm going to transition to something different. It's created kind of a leadership vacuum. Not that there aren't leaders there, but leaders now that have stepped into AP and principal roles have moved into those roles a lot more rapidly than how it used to work. I and mean, there was very much a kind of a progression. You know, every now and again, there was that outlier who, you know, two or three years in the classroom and they became a principal. But most, most principals or APs spent between five and eight years in the classroom. I was an outlier. I spent 11 years in the classroom, but I was an outlier on the other direction. Now that, that average number of years in the classroom has come, has come way down. And it's because so many positions have opened up that people are moving into these roles so much quicker. And, and Charlie, here's the point behind that. They're not ready. They're just not ready. Um, not that they aren't you know, going to be great leaders, they're just not quite ready for those positions. And the people above them weren't ready for those positions. And so how do, how do I coach somebody if if I'm a, let's say I'm a brand new district level uh, administrator, maybe I'm a, a, the new curriculum director in a district. I moved into that role maybe after two years as a principal. I'm not really ready for that role. How am I supposed to help principals in their role when I'm too busy learning my role? And I think that's a huge piece is, Everybody's just trying to gain their bearings in their own jobs, and they're not able to coach and support those who are in the jobs directly beneath them or that are their quote unquote direct reports. I think that's a huge factor because we just we have a lot of leaders who they're they're breathing through a snorkel or they may even be full on scuba gear here because their heads are so far below water that the micromanaging piece or the the lack of trust, those are just a byproduct of they're just trying to survive. So I, I think there's a lot more to it, but those two layers alone are massively, massively impacting education right now. Gosh, that's huge too. And what happens is I hear a lot about this. I'm sure you do too, um, that the teachers realize that those APs are not, they're not ready and they're moving into them so fast. They don't trust them. They don't, they don't believe in them. And so they're like, what are you trying to tell me to do for it? Like, you don't even know what you're doing. You yeah. haven't even been in a classroom as long as I have. You haven't even been in a classroom for two years. So I get that. Right. I get that. And there's a district and I won't call it out, but there's a district. I think people are trying to do really great things, Darren. But one of the things they, that they rolled out, and I don't know if it's still like this, but it said like the whole goal was you matter. That was the whole kind of mantra. You matter. And they had a great graphic. And it was really impactful with what they were trying to do. However, the buzz among teachers was, well, I don't matter. You don't make me feel like I matter. And so that radiates, all that negativity radiated throughout staff among the entire district. So they were like, well, you do this for kids. You say kids matter, but I don't matter. And so people were so mad about that. So what yeah. do you, So people who were trying to do really good things, like send that message, but they're missing the mark somewhere. How do we 
how do we fill those gaps? Like what is, what, what do we have to do to start filling those? Cause it's happening a lot. Oh yeah. You know, I would tell you that a huge piece right there is one of the most overlooked and forgotten, but maybe most important arts of leadership. And that's listening. You know, we, we put something together as, you know, oh, you matter, or, you know, we're going to be, you know, whatever, whatever calling card you want to put on it. Um, I mean, my high school where I was principal, we, we flew under the banner of Roe Dawson for a long time, but everybody knew what that meant. You know, I mean, it grew organically, but we did it because we listened. Um, I, I think, you know, you roll out something like, you know, you matter. And if you just put it on t-shirts and a banner and have a cool graphic, but you don't really communicate it, it's just another saying. You know, it makes me think of one year as a classroom teacher and it was, I don't know, teacher appreciation week or, or something. Um, and I don't remember what the group was, but they they got these plastic water bottles for for everybody, for all the teachers. And they just stuffed them in our mailbox. And there was this big trash can in the workroom and it was filled with those water bottles okay you know because it was like shut up please you know and and to me i could see a rollout of something like you know whatever the phrase may be if it's just we're gonna plaster it on stuff and say this is what it is but we haven't actually sat down and had conversations with people i mean charlie goes back to the compelling vision if you matter is your compelling vision what are you doing to actually communicate that. You can't just say it. You have to live it. You have to live it out loud. And just coming up with a cool phrase and making it the header on your website doesn't make it true. You know, those kinds of things come from leaders and they don't come from your office. They don't come from your desk. They come from your heart and they come from your presence and they come from you being willing to sit down and talk with people and listen to them. You know, that's, again, I think it's one of the most overlooked things. Sit down with your teacher, sit down with a paraprofessional, sit down with somebody in the cafeteria or a bus driver and just shut up and listen to them. You know, it's amazing how the power of that human experience can change the way people look at a phrase like you matter. If I actually am willing to go spend 20 minutes and sit down with one of my people in maintenance or my my HVAC tech or just sit and have a cup of coffee and hear them. Charlie, that's what people want. They want to be seen. They want to be heard. They want to be valued. They want to be trusted. And slapping you matter on stuff doesn't do any of those four things. You have to actually spend time with them. You got to go be a human being. So uh, that's, there you go. That's, that's the secret to it right there. Yeah. And you talk a lot about presence, Darren. I heard you talk about this in your keynote and it was so impactful. I loved it. And oh my gosh, it's so darn simple, but can you tell people what they can do as leaders to show their presence and how important that is? Yeah. I mean, that goes back to decide how you're going to show up, right? Um, You know, as, as a, as a school leader, why shouldn't I be the one at the front door saying, hi, I mean, I'm the face of my school, whether, whether I like it or I don't like it, I'm the face of my school and I need to be at the front door saying good morning to everybody every single day, you know, bus drivers and parents and kids and staff members and, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I need to commit 
And I said this earlier, and I don't care what your role is, whether you're an AP principal, superintendent, you got to commit to being an instructional leader. And that doesn't mean show up in classrooms to check for compliance. That means show up in classrooms to learn, you know, to visit with teachers, you know, and not just, hey, you could do this better, but rather, wow, I really love this. I like how you do this. In fact, I really wish that you would be willing to share this with a couple other people that struggle in the same place. You know, lean into their expertise. Why not? Right. I mean, love it. That demonstrates trust. So, um, yeah, you just have to decide that you're going to show up and, you know, be a real human being with people. Um, just because you you put on a suit and tie, it doesn't mean that you're not a human being anymore, and what it doesn't about, make them any less human. What about being. those? administrators who are kind of rolling their eyes, like, oh, I don't have time for that. I am so busy. I don't have any. Oh, that's that. no, no, that's a load, you know, and here's why I say that that's probably a little bit disrespectful, but I don't care. You decide how you use your time, period. You know, that's the bottom line. You know, I, I mentioned this in kind of my little intro, you know, that I focus on helping leaders gain clarity and be intentional. Well, number one, get clear. What do you really care about? I mean, really care about. And then number two, be intentional about that. Be intentional with your time to align it to the things you care about. Actually spend time focusing on that. And, you know, as a leader, I, I tell leaders this all the time when I'm coaching them. If you're not sure about what you value, look at your calendar. Look at last month. Look at the last two months. Look at the last six months. That'll tell you what you say you value. I don't care what your words say. If all of your time is spent in these other spaces that don't align with that, that's that's actually the message that you're sending. It's not just the words that you have. It's just like the you matter thing. Your actions go a whole lot further. So get really clear about what you what matters to you and then really express that on your calendar. You know, school culture should be important to you and it should be on your calendar. Charlie, I would put on my calendar, and this was as a AP principal and superintendent, all three places, I would just put it right on my calendar school culture, 20 minutes. You know, if I didn't have something very specific, I would just put school culture. You know, I mean, I, I had a, I had a young man that uh, a young special needs uh, student who wanted me to play basketball with him every single morning. And early in my career, I didn't have time for that. You know, I don't have time for that. So same response, right? I just started putting on the calendar five minutes, once a week, stop down in the arena, shoot a couple baskets with Thomas, made his day, honestly made my day. Just be intentional. You know, you say you don't have time to get into classrooms. I, I've had a couple of uh, administrators ask me about this one, Charlie. You know, and when I tell them you've got to be in classrooms, they're like, well, but what if something happens in the office? What if something doesn't? Don't sit around <laughs> waiting for a fire. <laughs> get out in the action. I mean, you got a walkie talkie, you got a cell phone, you know, I mean, if they really need you, and this is where, this is another big one for leaders. I'm, I'm just going off here. You pulled the wrong string here, or maybe <laughs> the right one. I don't know. Um, if you're going to go and be in classrooms, number one, turn the walkie-talkie off when you go in the room, because otherwise you're telling the teacher, hey, I'm, I'm waiting for a fire. You know, I'm just, I'm just here because it's convenient. Really be, you know, be intentional about being in there, but have a system. Yeah. If they desperately need you in the office and not because you know, somebody got sent to the office for not having a pencil. I mean, we're talking like serious, serious, serious issues. Yeah. You know, my staff knew, uh, my my office staff knew if I was in a classroom and they desperately needed me, they just texted me 911. 
I'd step out in the hallway. I'd give them a call. Hey, what's going on? You know, it's easy, but so easy. have a system just, yeah. Quit making excuses and put it on your calendar and be intentional about the things that matter. And once you start doing it, I mean, it's like anything else. You start to create a habit and you start to feel a whole lot better about yourself as a leader. Cause you're not just running around putting out fires. Yeah, you said put school culture on your calendar, even if it's 20 minutes. So what are some other things that school leaders can do to fill that school culture time? What are some other activities? Let's spend time with kids. Um, you know, if if you're in an elementary school, go go out at recess. You know, go hang out with your students. You know, if you're if you're a high school principal, you know what? Choose choose some classes strategically. You know, go to your culinary arts program. Go to your um, you know your machine shop, or you know, go to one of your like career pathway classrooms, or or I mean, obviously, go into all of your different core classes. But be strategic about where you're going to go. And then when you're in the room, don't sit in the back of the room and check your email. Hmm. No, actually, get involved. Talk with kids. Talk with your teacher. You know, learn something, <laughs> ask questions. Yeah. Um, my high school principal, when I was a superintendent, I just just adore her. Her name's Liz. She's a wonderful, wonderful principal. Now she's now the superintendent of that district. Um, that was her strategy. Every classroom she went into, she made sure she asked at least two questions. And it was always one for the teacher and always one for at least one student. And, you know, all of a sudden, your kids are seeing you as somebody, somebody who's there to learn with them. And, and to be a part of this, you're not just the person that's in the office for when things go haywire. Um, another thing, you know, <laughs> I I wish when I was a principal, the rolling desk would have been a thing. I, I probably should have invented it because we <laughs> we put benches everywhere in our high school, like everywhere. I and I would just go hang. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I would just go hang out on the benches. You know, it didn't matter where I would just sit down on the bench, you know, open up my laptop, do a little bit of work there. But what it did was it invited kids to just come and sit with me or it invited staff to just come sit with me. And that's where I had a lot of organic conversations. Uh, one other one I'll throw in there too, uh, that this is a really great culture piece. A lot of leaders get hijacked when they're walking in the hallways. Like I'm on the way to a classroom observation and it's passing period and four teachers stop me. They're like, hey, Darren, hey, Darren, hey, Darren. We worked out a really cool system with my with my secretary. Her name was Marilyn. Um, where I would just say, shoot Marilyn an email, tell her how much time you need, I'll come to you. Here's the here's the trick to that. Number one, I saw you, I heard you, you know, and and you're going to get your opportunity. But I'm also respecting the other person's time where I'm supposed to be. And even better, the last thing I would always say, and this was always true, was I will come to you. If as a leader you're going to meet with people, and it's always make them come to your office, you're saying your time is more important than theirs. Nope, flip it around you go to them. Because when you have those conversations in their classroom or in their workspace, yeah, you're going to talk about what they want to talk about, but it also opens up the possibility to just say, Charlie, how you doing? You know, what's, what's going on today? You know, how, how's, how's your husband, you know, or whatever. Again, we're back to the trust piece and the relationship piece, but you know, yes, I, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to value your time, but I'm also going to, have an actual conversation with you. And that's a big piece that helps grow that trust too, because you never know what people are going to share with you. I had a teacher once that it was a simple little two minute meeting. I came to her 
same kind of thing. Hey, you know, Amanda, how you doing today? And oh my God, Charlie, here came the tears. I mean, and it was just this 45 minute, her unloading what she was carrying. I mean, she has some two, two really high needs kids in her classroom and was just looking for some help. And when we were done, I just asked her, I'm like, what can I do to help you? And she said this, just come listen to me. I don't expect you to solve my problem. You know, I mean, Charlie, your space is the mental health space. That's one of the most important things leaders can do in the mental health space is just listen. Man, people are carrying a lot of crap around right now, right? They are. So, yeah. 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 And genuinely listen. listen. Like, you can tell yeah. if somebody's coming up to you and they're being condescending or they're not being heartfelt. They're, they're just getting that conversation over because they heard Darren Peppard say it on this podcast and they're going to go try it. It's not like that, is it? Tell people how important it is no. to have that genuine conversation. It can be very short too. It can be so short, mm-hmm. but tell people how that conversation needs to happen and why that's so important. You know, it, it starts with, again, the human connection. Um, you know, if you haven't done something to build a relationship with that person, you need to, you know, and that could just be a simple question, you know, tell me how your kids are doing, you know, or, or whatever, um, pay attention to what you hear from, from others, not from a gossip perspective, but, but to gain some perspective of what's going on, you know, in the lives of, of your people, you know, uh, you talk about a simple conversation. One day I'm walking into the building, um, as a high school principal. And I'd been in our back parking lot and somebody pulled in in this brand new car. And it was one of my young teachers and she got out of the car and I'm like, wow, check you out. She's like, I know I just picked it up. It's my first new car. And the walk back into this school, just hearing her tell me not, not just about being proud of, of buying her first new car, but kind of like, she told me some really great backstory that I would have never known about her and about her family and about some challenges she had growing up. And I mean, Hey, cool. You got a new car. No, that car represented so much more to her and it's just in the right place at the right time. But, you know, I could have just waved, but just have a conversation. That's how it starts. You know, be willing to have a conversation and you hit it on the head listen the right way, you know, listen to hear, listen to empathize, listen to understand. Don't just listen to respond. You know, you're right. You can tell when people are, are being condescending or when they're just kind of halfway there, you know, don't, don't listen with your cell phone open, you know, or, you know, that kind of thing. So. Well, and that's why we teach what we do because people are so darn overwhelmed that they don't have time to think of, Oh my goodness. What does active listening mean? What does, what do I have to look like? What should my position be? What should my tone? We want to take all that away from people and say, don't, don't worry about all of those semantics and all of the, the pieces to that. It's too overwhelming. Just be genuine and want to hear what they truly have to say. That's it. Because people know when you're trying to be genuine period. And that's a very humanistic um, thing that we do as long as we're not trying to fill something up with it. And I think you nailed it by saying that. And so that goes back to teachers who are now approaching you with something that they need. So let's go back to that person in your classroom. who had those two special needs kids that she was working with that are Mm -hmm. just causing her some, some struggles that she didn't know how to support them. It sounds like. So what do you do when a teacher or administrator comes to you with something that they need that you can't actually fill for them? But they're, they're sharing with you, like, I need this. 
but you know, you don't mm-hmm. have the budget for it or something. What do you do with that? Well, I think you don't just lead with no for starters. Um, you know, it's, you know, let's, let's talk about some alternate strategies here or, you know, maybe just dig a little bit deeper around why they believe this is what they need, you know, so that you really understand the situation. And, and again, I think this is a big thing for leaders too, is don't assume that you are the only person who can solve their problem. You know, I think it's, you know, Hey, let's work together on this. Let's figure out who else can we bring to the table? Um, you know, as, as superintendents, and, and this is true of, of a lot of building principles too, you have access to resources outside of your own budget that if you listen long enough and you talk enough with with them and, and start to incorporate other resources that are in your community, you may very well be able to solve that problem. But, you know, if you lead with no, you're not going to solve the problem. You know, um, maybe ultimately you go down the road and you can't get the resources that they want. But if you're willing to sit down and brainstorm and look at other avenues and that type of thing, they know you've got their back and Hey, it just isn't going to happen today, you know, but here's a big point too. I think being heard and getting your way are two completely different things, Yes. right? Sure. Yeah. So if, if I get an opportunity, if, if Charlie, if you're my, if you're my superintendent and I sit down and say, Hey, I really, really need this. And you just say, no, it's like, okay, fine. But if we sit down and and we have a genuine conversation and, you know, you're like, hey, well, what, what if we explore this avenue? And maybe that sparks an idea in my head. Well, you know, hey, we've got, you know, this resource in our community or, you know, we've got some really great donors that are connected to our school. Or what if we write a grant or whatever, you know, even even if we try to write a grant and we get a no. OK, you know what? Charlie went to bat for me, you know, maybe the next time. Maybe the next time we're successful, but I at least know that when I went and sat down with her, it was, hey, let's find a way to solve this problem as opposed to, no, the budget won't support that. <laughs> and and hey, I worked in that system too, where you know, I, I did work for somebody who was totally driven by by the budget only. And you know, no, I need this to support my kids in my school. No, the budget won't support it. Well, what if I find a way for it to? No, the budget won't support it. I didn't stay much longer after that. I'll be perfectly honest with you. Because, yeah. you know, I mean, that's it's not in my nature. Let's find a way to solve problems. Well, that's it. And validating that there is a need and that you're willing to help them find it. The whole going to bat for your staff is it really is crucial in how they're going to respond to you as a leader. It is so crucial. And I think anybody listening knows that. So I would love, I mean, we can talk about this for hours, Darren. I'm gonna honor your time yeah. here. I would love to direct people towards your walk in your purpose, your ebook. So could you tell people a little bit about that? Because it really is great for people who want to lead in education these days. Oh, I appreciate that. You know, so I put, I put this ebook together because, well, Rory, Rory Vaden said it once that, that we are uniquely positioned to help the person that we once were. And I will tell you when I transitioned from being an AP to being a principal, um, I was that guy who was breathing through a snorkel and honestly was in full on scuba gear for a big portion of that first year. And I fell into all the traps, Superman syndrome. Um, you know, I was a firefighter. I mean, I just, I struggled. And, you know, as I worked my way through that, I had, had some wonderful coaching support. It's honestly a, a big part of why 
I coach leaders now because I know how much it it impacted me. But I, I put together five mindsets that leaders really need to be focused on in order for them to really walk in their purpose as leaders, as opposed to just simply being firefighters. And um, there's there's some some simple pieces in there, you know, a couple of little tips around just how is it that you know I I just simply change like as one for example, I change what I'm looking for. You know, I mentioned that you know when I, I first started as an AP, it was all about catching people doing things wrong. Well, Charlie, I was good at it because that's all I was looking for. You know, but if I shifted my mindset to start looking for good things, it's incredible. You start to see them. You know, I know you've heard this story. I'll tell it real quick. Um, I drive a Jeep. And before I bought a Jeep, I never saw Jeeps on the road. Now, Charlie, they're everywhere. There are freaking Jeeps everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And it's not because I bought a Jeep. It's not because I'm a trendsetter. It's because I'm looking for them. You know, I see them everywhere and I'm Jeep waving everybody. And it's because I'm looking for it. So that's one simple mindset shift is stop looking for all the things that are wrong. Start looking for the things that are right. You know, just that one alone is huge. And then there's four others in there too, that again, it's just designed to help leaders kind of take a deep breath, stand up straight and walk in their purpose instead of, you know, coming home, like, like they went through the car wash without the car. <laughs> That's a really good image. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for yeah. sharing. Well, I like it too, because a lot of times people say, just shift your mind mindset, but they don't actually lead you to that. And they don't tell you how to do that and what that looks like. So this is a really valuable. How much does it cost and how, how do people get to it? It is absolutely free. What? Uh, it is, is 100% free ebook. Oh, nice. And uh, yeah, awesome. and it's, uh, it's available um, on our website at roadtoawesome.net. Um, I think you've got the link. You'll probably drop that in your show notes or something, but yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd love to recite it for you. I think it's walkinyourpurpose.roadtoawesome.net uh, uh, backslash yeah. ebook. I'm almost yeah. positive. That's what it is. You got so, it. I just pulled it up. You're totally right about that. There you go. That's there awesome. You go. So that is a free resource for people listening. Oh my goodness. That's really yeah. helpful because again, people often say shift your mindset, but if they don't know what that looks like or how to do that, they're, they're not going to do it. We don't right. know what to do. Right. Oh my gosh. Okay, yeah. Darren, what else are we missing? How can people reach out to if you if they want you to speak? Um, you speak at conferences all across the nation. I mean, you do so much. Yeah. So how do people reach out to you? Yeah, so so a couple of easy ways. First is just go to the website. Uh, it's roadtoawesome.net. Um, every page has a contact us link. So just, just hit that contact us link. Um, you can email me. It's Darren at roadtoawesome.net. Um, and then on social media, I've made it real easy on social media. I'm Darren M. Peppered on every platform. So whether that's Twitter or Insta, uh, Facebook, um, LinkedIn, I'm, I'm even on TikTok. I'm not really doing anything there, but I don't know, for some reason <laughs> I have an account. Maybe one of these days I'll do something there, but, um, but yeah, I'm on all the socials. Just, yeah, shoot me a DM, email, hit us on the website. I'd love to talk and, and help, help, you know, help leaders just find their footing and again, walk in their purpose. That's awesome. Okay. So anyone listening and you, if you want any guidance in education, obviously Darren's the guy to, to get to, and all the links are there, of course. Thank you so much, Darren. I really appreciate you being here. I really do. Well, I appreciate it too. Thank you so much, Charlie.
Yeah. Okay, great. All right, everybody. So please go check out Darren's stuff. And you can also get our book, Improving School Mental Health, a Thriving School Community on Amazon. We have a free book study guide. And if you want to go to www.thrivingschool.org forward slash book study, it's a free kit for you guys to continue the conversation about mental health. But Darren also has some really great resources for you too. So I'd love for you to check that stuff out and have these deep conversations as you lead education. Thanks everybody. Appreciate you being here.